The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Chris Sheeran Show, hashtag CSS. You can find us at YesNetwork.com, and also you could download us, subscribe to us at iTunes. Uh, the price, uh, very... Uh, um, very cheap. It's free. Uh, Doug and I appreciate your patronage, and uh, let's get underway here. Uh, we argued a lot the last time, although it was a very friendly argument, and I think we got something out of it. Uh, today's uh, version of the podcast is basically going to be uh, all about the New York Yankees, who we didn't talk about the last time we were sitting in these seats, and uh, I think it bears um, – we work for the S yes Network, and, and we should be talking about the Yankees, so here we go. Uh, and it's not the first time I've, I've brought this, uh, this up, but, uh, it, it, the Yankees are once again, Godfather threeing us all, you know, once you think they're out, they pull you back in, uh, they're in this, uh, back and forth, toe to toe center of the ring fight with the Tigers as we tape this, uh, two games into their four game set. And, you know, they could have stole both of these games, um, Hiroki Kuroda, you know, I, I tweeted it last night, and, and you <laughs> you are right on it. You know, pitchers, the mound is like a desert a desert island. And when it's going good, nobody knows about it. Uh, when it's going bad, everybody knows about it. Uh, it. It's just a weird feeling. It's just such a juxtaposition, just a fine line. When you're, when you're out there on that mound, you're all alone. Nobody's out there helping you. And Hiroki Kuroda, my goodness, Doug, you just have to feel for a starting pitcher who works as hard as he has been working, the lone survivor, let's face it, of this rotation from day one here with the Yankees. He's the only one left out of the five that started. And just to see him work so hard and match price inning for inning and get two outs in that seventh inning and Avila come up, great piece of hitting. Uh, Kuroda left one up and... He made him pay for it, the RBI single, and he tied the game up. And as we all know, the Tigers went on to win an extra innings, and it was Avila once again providing the run for the Tigers. So here's my question to you. You know, I thought this team, before the trading deadline, I'll be honest, I thought they were dead in the water. I thought there was no shot. The past two games against the Tigers have given me a little bit of hope. A little bit of hope. Not for the division. Not for the first wild card. Let's face it, they're nine games behind the Angels for that. I don't think that's going to happen. And I don't want to hear about the 78 comeback against the Red Sox when they were down 14. Different situation, different team, different pitching staff. There's no comparison. Okay? But I do think the Yankees have, and I'm not going out on a limb here, folks. Let's be honest. They have a great shot at being that second wild card and getting a one-game play-in against, right now, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. That might be Oakland, the way the Angels are playing um, over the course of this season. They got to a slow start, but, God, they're one of the hottest teams in the league. Um, My question to you, Doug, is do you think, A, the postseason is viable? B, if they get to the postseason, can they make noise? Can they get by that one-game playoff with the pitching staff the way it is? And see if they do make the wild card round, meaning the five game series after that one game plan, do they have a chance as situated right now? Well, right now, Chris, I would say probably not. Um, but 
I think everything could change. And I think subconsciously the reason you've started to feel better as they've been playing the Tigers is because we've heard good news in terms of Masahiro Tanaka and we've heard good news in terms of Michael Pineda. If they're both doing well in their rehabilitation, I mean, this rotation would get such a big boost from those two guys. And so if you're picturing a four-man rotation for the playoffs, a five-game series, you'd have probably Masahiro Tanaka in games one and five, and then you'd probably go Kuroda, Pineda, and McCarthy. And if you ask me, I don't think that sounds all that terrible. That's now, not the, bad. the bottom line is, uh, I would say Pineda will miss one more spot in a rotation before he comes back. I think he'll be back for his ninety pitch start. I don't mm-hmm. think they'll make him uh, have two more rehab games. Right. And Tanaka, I mean, mid to late September is when we're looking at his return, which is right before the playoffs, as everybody knows. But if the Yankees can put them in a themselves in a position to really utilize Tanaka when he comes back. Uh, This lineup has to start hitting. The lineup with Drew and Prado, one through nine, is their best lineup of the year, no doubt about it. Everybody seems to be healthy with Beltran DHing and the three outfielders, Ichiro now out of the lineup, no more Brian Roberts. Uh, So things are looking up. I will say, I think last night's game, it was the game they they lost in 12 innings, if you're not listening uh, when we are recording this, which is on Wednesday. That was a must-win game because Kuroda pitched so well, and when you get a performance like that, you got to win. Yeah, and you know, I I have a I had a feeling that you know David Robertson could have been available. He could have gone two innings if, if he could have, and I think the Yankees still would have lost that game. I, I, the offense just you know ceased to exist uh, after the Prado home run. Nothing, niente, zilch, uh, zip, and it just that's the other thing that drives you crazy when you have a guy like Tanaka who's battling his rear end off, and you can't get the guy one more run. I mean, that – look, I know the – and the Detroit bullpen, I, I talked to Rod Allen before the game from Fox Sports Detroit. He said that's their one weakness. It didn't seem like a weakness against the Yankees lineup. I mean, that's that's what continuously raises your eyebrow. Now, you were there uh, at the game when they lost in 12, and I'll tell you right now, I've watched this team all season long. That was the best game of the season. I know they lost, but my goodness. I mean, nonstop action. The Batantis against Cabrera. Then you had Jabba against Jeter. He hit him, and, you know, he didn't mean to hit him. Everybody booed him, but come on. Jabba's beard got in the way, and one got away <laughs> from him. What are you going to do? But just the drama, you know, not only the extra innings, but just throughout the game. You know, back and forth, up and down. David Price, Corota going back and forth. And it was Price's Detroit debut. And you're going to get a glimpse of what Detroit's going to bring at you in the playoffs. You know, everybody's giving this to Oakland and Detroit. They're putting them in the ALCS. It's not, listen, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's pretty much, it, it could happen. But I think there are some teams that could do some damage against them. You know, and the Angels come to mind as one of them. Uh, definitely. Um, as far as the Yankees go, I mean, I like the positivity. Definitely not during games from Yankee fans on Twitter. But there is some positivity on the outskirts when they're not playing. And I like it. But sooner or later, everybody's going to have to be a realist. Besides McCarthy and Corota right now, this rotation 
Eh, you know, you got those two guys, and McCarthy's been, let's face it, he's been throwing like a one, for crying out loud, ever since he came over from Arizona. And, you know, they talk about the, the adding more of the slider, the cutter, uh, that that's helping him out a lot. And he's been, you know, he, he's had a couple of hiccup innings, but for the most part, I mean, let's be honest, he, he's giving you number one starter stuff. And, and like you said, you know, it's wishful thinking at this point, Doug, but if you get a healthy Masahiro Tanaka back and you do manage to get through September and get to that second wild card game, hey, let's line it up because if this lineup is hitting from one to nine, I, I was watching the Friday night Red Sox game on, yes, at my house, and Michael Kay goes to the lineup and they put it up on screen and I'm sitting on my couch and I said, my goodness. How are they not scoring any runs? This is unbelievable. I have no idea why this team is struggling so much at the plate. From one to nine, you know, listen, I know that most of these guys may be past the line of their prime. But Beltron has been hitting the cover off the ball since the All-Star break. Brett Gardner has been unconscious this year. The guy's got 15 home runs. He won, you know, had the game-winning home run up in Boston. 15 home runs. He, last year was his career high at eight. You know, you got to get some contributions, though, up and down the lineup. Mark Teixeira, he, this guy has to stay in the lineup. And you saw that in this extra inning game against Detroit. Not only for his bat, but for what he could do at first base. The guy is unbelievable in the field. He, ta- he saves you so many runs, so many errors. Chase Headley has been like Dyson vacuum over there at third base. This guy's unbelievable. Yeah. People on Twitter calling him Chase Nettles, and I, I can't really disagree. And Cashman said that he was an average third baseman. Well, if that's average, what the hell was Brooks Robinson? <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's just this team as situated, that's what makes you scratch your head. That's what gets you so agitated. Why is this lineup not producing? You look at it every night, the lineup that Girardi runs out there, and everybody wants to give Joe a hard time. Joe Girardi should change his name to Job. With all the patience he's had to show over the past two years with all these injuries, and the fact that this team is just one single solitary game out of a playoff berth right now, is amazing to me. Four-fifths of this guy's rotation, gone. Brian Cashman is just piecing this together. He's putting Band-Aids on gashing wounds. I mean, the Yankees need stitches. They've got Dora Band-Aids on these cuts. And Girardi is still piecing it together. And everybody that wants to get on Kevin Long, well, okay. You can get on Kevin Long. You get all the kudos for Curtis Granderson. I'm not going to tell you you can't get on Kevin Long. But how about working with Martin Prado yesterday? You probably saw it when you were at the stadium. He was doing the underhand, the quick underhand, right? Quick underhand pitch they used to do with Cano and Swisher. He basically turned Swisher into a big-time power hitter at Yankee Stadium. He did. Swisher was a force the first couple of years he was with the Yankees. And he was out there with Prado... And Kevin Kernan mentioned it during the uh, broadcast on the radio side of things with John and Susan. And wouldn't you know it, in his next at bat, he comes up, pop, 
out of the yard. Give Kevin Long some credit. I think um, it's a little bit like Vince Scully and how the people in uh, Vince Scully's business and the play-by-play and the sports broadcasting business will say he's the best in the business and he's by far the greatest. Now, does Vince Scully make mistakes? Of course he does. Absolutely. And I think Kevin Long has made mistakes and, you know, he he is human like anybody else. But the people who are really important to listen to with a hitting coach are the hitters. Just like the people who are really important to listen to in terms of reviewing broadcasters are other broadcasters. Hitters always say that Kevin Long is so great. Every every hitter that's come through the Yankees organization since he's been the hitting coach has said good things about him. Um, so I don't think there's really anybody to blame here. When you have injuries, I mean, Chris, Yankee fans are probably forgetting that there's such thing as a team that just kind of maintains its roster throughout the year. Well, hold on now. That hasn't we're, happened now we're gonna get for on, two straight years. We're going to get on Kevin Long's case because Carlos Beltran isn't hitting in the beginning of the season. Right. Carlos Beltran, he's his own hitting coach, okay? Most of the guys on this team, we're going to get on Kevin Long because Derek Jeter is not hitting. He is, though. You know, he's over 270. He's doing his job. Uh, I know a lot of people out there would kind of say he should be over 300. The guy's 40. (laughs) Relax. But you go up and down this lineup, okay? Chase Headley, he's a pro. How long has he been doing this? He just got here too, by the way. Martin Prado, he's a pro's pro. Steven Drew, he's been at this a while, okay? They go to Kevin Long. Kevin Long will go to a player. But it's on that player if he wants Kevin Long's advice. You don't know what goes on behind the scenes. You don't know if Kevin Long is going up to these guys, even Beltron. Hey, Carlos, you know, I noticed this. Maybe we want to work on it. And maybe Beltron blows him off. You don't know. Yeah, and I'm and not saying he did, but what, what the hell do you are know? Are people forgetting these two things? People complain about Brian McCann. He was having a disastrous There's season until, until Kevin Long finally got his hands on him. There you go. And avoided the toe tap. And now Carlos Beltran has bones floating around in his elbow. <laughs> it's not because he can't hit. He suddenly isn't a 280 hitter with 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. He had a terrible injury to his elbow that he had to rehab, he had to rehab for weeks to get healthy. So... You know what? If Another gonna, one. You got to fix Jacoby Ellsbury. Oh yeah, <laughs> does Kevin fix him. Long? Does Kevin Long have to fix it? This is a guy who needs fixing. He's a young guy coming up that really needs some mentoring. Oh, no, he's a guy who's gracious. been an all-star. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable that they think that Kevin Long is somehow morphing these guys as soon as they get in the Yankee pinstripe. His job is to watch video, and if he notices something, if a guy is struggling, to point it out to him. Now, whether or not that player takes him up on that advice or not is on that player. You know, you're going to go up to a guy, Derek Jeter, who's been in the league since 1996. You don't think Jeter and all these guys who work at their craft, this isn't, you know, this isn't like it was in the 70s, 60s, 50s when guys were, you know, working in restaurants or clothing stores or bowling alleys like Rizzuto and, and Yogi Berra. This is a 12-month-a-year sport now. These guys work out religiously. They work on their swing. They work on their toe tap. They, everything. They're so meticulous about what they do. It's And in baseball, Doug and I could tell you, we haven't played at this level, obviously, but swings, mechanics when it comes to pitching, it's like a golf swing. If one centimeter... The, the most minuscule of things goes wrong, you're not going to hit your location. 
You're going to pop it up instead of hitting a line drive, or you're going to turn it over and ground out. And you have, what, eight-tenths of a second to make up your mind whether you're going to swing at the damn ball or not? You know, it, it just goes so far with this team. And that, that's why I laugh when people get on Kevin Long's case because you're talking about the New York Yankees. You're talking about established guys in this lineup. And, you know, if you want to point your finger at the pitching, you're dead wrong. Because as I've talked to some coworkers here and some friends of mine too, and I'm sure Doug will agree with me, after the rotation was bitten by the injury bug to the tune of 80% of the guys not being in it anymore. Injury plague. Yeah. I mean, these guys that have filled in have done ridiculously well. They're not getting the support. And they have a couple of starts. David Phelps, you know, he's, he's had a couple where he goes out there and he gives up, you know, five or six runs and – of course, you had uh, Chase Whitley after his first four or five starts. He started to blow up a little bit. But you got to get cut him some slack. The guy has been a relief pitcher his entire life. And he comes up here and he's asked to start and he did what he was asked and he did it to the best of his ability. But now you have guys up here and you got Capuano. You got Brandon McCarthy. You've got Hiroki Kuroda. Phelps was here. Esmeel Rogers could be making a spot start and... How good has he been in his two He's already appearances? worth it. Oh, already goodness. worth it. Waiver claim has already paid its way off. And, you know, you talk about Kevin Long all the time. The guy who flies under the radar con- constantly is Larry Rothschild. And what he's able to do, I mean, listen, Brian Cashman is doing what Brian Cashman can do. He's taking guys, and, and this is not disrespect to the guys I'm about to mention, but he's taking guys basically off the trash heap taking them off teams that don't want these guys anymore, and he's getting quality start after quality start after these guys. Brandon McCarthy was 3-10 and with an ERA over 5 with the Diamondbacks. He's undefeated with the Yankees. In his last seven games, he's 6-0. and Two of those were with the Diamondbacks, five with the Yankees, but the guy's been unhittable. And, and I talked to Ken Singleton about it the other day on, on Yankees batting practice today, and I asked him, you know, why has he been so successful since he's been here? And he said it's the addition of the cutter that he's made. But it's also, you know, that two-seamer, he throws that sinker down and into righties. Then he throws the slider or the cutter away. It's just hitting your spots, keeping the ball down. I think I saw before he came out of that game the five and two-thirds that he threw uh, Monday against the Tigers. Uh, 17 outs. Nine were ground outs. Eight were strikeouts. (laughs) How efficient. Now, I know he got into trouble in the second. He threw a lot of pitches. They were first forced to take him out after five and two-thirds. But how efficient is that? Especially if you're a sinker baller. You've got eight strikeouts and nine ground outs. Those are your 17 outs in the game. It's just unbelievable the job he's doing. Yeah, I want to take, get your uh, take on Brian Cashman for a second because the hardest thing for a boss to do is to recognize that somebody he or she has hired has become kind of a failure and they have to you know let go of them and, and admit a mistake. Brian Cashman's had to do that three times this year. Matt Thornton was claimed on going. waivers. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Roberts was DFA'd. Kelly uh-huh. Johnson was traded. All three of those guys were supposed to be his kind of miracle signs because Brian Cashman does make that happen, a la Bartolo Colon and Raul Abanez. He brings career out also of, Jarrett Wright. Let's, right. Let's not forget about him. <laughs> so the fact that Brian Cashman, what he has done is basically solidify the infield, especially defensively. Stephen Drew looks like he's been playing second base all his life. Chase Headley's looked unbelievable at third base. Right. Isn't it kind of admirable for Brian Cashman to be able to say, okay, 
I did not get these guys right. Brian Roberts did not have the season I was expecting. Kelly Johnson did not either. I'm not going to sit and hope that they do better so it makes me look good. I'm going to pounce. I'm going to go get Chase Headley. I'm going to go get Stephen Drew and make something of this. I, I think that's you know his job, but I also think that you know he has put the Yankees in a better position to win than they were, say, four weeks ago. Uh, a lot of people like to give Cashman uh, a lot of crap, but um, I, I like the guy. I do. I like how he handles the media. I like how he makes himself available all the time. And he'll sit there and he'll answer every single one of your questions. He won't leave until everybody's asked their questions. I mean, that's something very admirable right there. But I think at the same time, what you just said, he he wasn't resting on his laurels. He doesn't have that pride where he's like, well, I made these moves and they're going to work. No, he's doing his job. They didn't work out. He went. He's trying to fix the problem. And I'm telling you right now, Headley, he, he may not bring it at the plate, but he's pay, he's going to pay dividends out at third base. The linchpin to the Yankees making a run, and you tell me if I'm wrong, the linchpin is at first base. Mark Teixeira's got to stay on the field. Not only is bat in the lineup, you can't take Teixeira's bat out of the cleanup spot and take his glove off of first base and win in September and get into the playoffs. It's it's not going to happen. If he goes back on the DL... Roll up the white flag. And I know it's only one player, but that one player means so much. I mean, do we need to see Headley at first base? Do you want Brian McCann down there? Nobody should want that. Did you see Headley's footwork the other day playing first base? Listen, I was talking to somebody downstairs. Now, if you're around baseball and you've played baseball like Doug and I have, you know, like Stephen Drew, and this is my opinion, but if you're a shortstop and you've played middle infield your whole life, you can make that transition to – you know the cutoffs. You're not stupid. You've been in that area your entire life. And I think he played his sophomore year in high school at second base, and that was the last time. I could be wrong. could be sophomore year in college. But anyway, Stephen Drew could play second base. Is it his preferred position? Probably not. But he could make that transition from short to second, no problem. Chase Headley. When you go to first base, it's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> You're getting balls all game. You're in every play that's involved in the infield, and it's your footwork at first base. You know, when they signed Eric Chavez, they brought him in, and I was down at spring training, and they were working him out at first base. Career third baseman. And my first question to him when I sat him down was, Eric, how hard is that transition going from third to first, especially the footwork? And his eyes got all big, and he smiled, and he said, you have no idea how hard it is. You have no idea. Because you have both heels on each corner of the bag. You, first, you have to get over to the bag. Then you're looking up to see where the ball is coming from. Both heels are on either corner of first base. Then the throw is coming. Then you have to decide at that moment, is the ball tailing? Okay, so I have to move my right foot to where my left foot is and stretch with my left foot. All right, is the ball coming the other way? All right, I got to move my left foot, put it where my right foot is, and stretch with my right foot to get the ball. First base is a mind blank. (laughs) It is the entire game. That's why Mark Teixeira 
In my opinion, and I could be wrong, I could be so wrong, and people could call me out on it on Twitter if you're listening and you made it this far, which you should. It's only 23 minutes, and if you haven't, I'm very disappointed in you. Very disappointed. But they'll never hear your disappointment because they're not listening. But go on. Dang it. <laughs> anyway, but Mark Teixeira needs to be on the field. He, he just does. It, it, we don't need experiments at first base. We saw when McCann – I mean McCann did a great job. He did. He did an admirable job at first base when Teixeira was on was hurt the last time. But we also saw a couple of balls that you know, you know Teixeira would have got to and McCann couldn't. And another thing I want to bring up before I give it to you and I want to hear your thoughts. Night and day, Jason Giambi at first, Mark Teixeira at first. The Yankees, Giambi's last year, lost – more than two handfuls of games because of errors he made at first. Scoops he couldn't make, balls he couldn't get to, balls that he booted. He made up for it at the plate. But Jason Giambi is the antithesis of Mark Teixeira when it comes to first base. So having said that, what say you, Mr. Williams? Do you think that if he goes on the DL for an extended period of time, and the Yankees' schedule is favorable down the stretch. You know, until they get to September and they start matching up with all these AL East teams, you know, Toronto and the Orioles, who they've had some issues with this season uh, uh, specifically, you know, I'm not wor- really worried about the Red Sox. You know, they took two out of three in Boston. But when they get to those games, if he's not in the lineup, that that's just – that's huge. Yeah. Well, Teixeira's done a few things – this year and said a few things that have kind of irked Yankee fans and rubbed them the wrong way. The lightheadedness um, was really not loved by Yankee fans. I, Why not? I purely read that on Twitter. <laughs> Why? Why wouldn't I'm people only from New York like that? Twitter? <laughs> New Yorkers just don't. They get lightheaded on the six train every oh, day. You know, maybe Lou so, Gehrig. So you're, yeah, you're not going to get a ton of sympathy there. Um, he also said, you know, I just can't play through injuries anymore the way I used to. He said that in an interview. Now, look. Yeah, that doesn't endear you to people in New York. People in New York aren't going to love that. But no. you're totally right. I don't care, you know, how hard it is for him to play through injuries. I don't care if he gets lightheaded. He just needs to be on the field. That's and it. he needs to stay healthy. Um, if I were Joe Girardi, I'd be conflicted because you're trying to keep him healthy. And he would like to DH him every once in a while, but that defeats the purpose. You need him at first base. I totally agree with you. I think he is the most important fielding and hitting uh, bat and glove in this Yankee uh, offense and defense. I I really think he's vital. And um, another thing that I wanted to ask you about, Mm -hmm. going into this year, everyone talked about the question marks on the Yankee team. And it was true. A lot of them, second base, third base, people said, who's going to play second? Who's going to play third? Valid points because we just found out. Derek Jeter was listed as a question mark. People were saying, you know, he's going to need to DH. He's 40. Can he even play shortstop anymore? He's coming off the injury. He's now played 100 games. Mm-hmm. He's only DH'd, I think, like seven times. Okay. Isn't it really unbelievable the yes. 270, 280 hitter <laughs> that he's been this year? I mean, he's not even – we don't even consider him. When the lineups are released every day, he's the last thing on our mind. You yeah. know he's going to be in it. It's really incredible. Yeah, to be 40 years old – and to continue to do what he does at a consistent basis, I, I blogged about this too, and it's on ChrisSheeran.com. If, if you haven't seen it yet, go to my blog at www.ChrisSheeran.com and check it out. I wrote about Jeter uh, maybe two or three weeks ago before the All-Star game, 
And I, I brought up those shortstops, and I think we talked about it. I'm not sure if we did or not, but I brought up three Hall of Fame shortstops. One was Robin Yount, one was Cal Ripken, and the other was Ozzie Smith. Yount had eight seasons under 270. Uh, I think Ozzie Smith had 10, and Ripken had eight as well, or 10, something like that. And Jeter has had none under 270. I just think for the position he plays. Now, look, did Jeter have the power of Robin Yount? No. Did he even have the power of Cal Ripken at times? No. Ozzie Smith wasn't known as a power here. Ozzie Smith did his magic on the field. I mean, he, he was a career 254, 260. Yeah, kind of like an Omar like Vizquel. Yeah, yeah, but invaluable, invaluable to the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, but what I just can't fathom is the guy, he's 40. He's 40. And you know what? I always stuck up for him the, the, since 2008, I want to say 2009, when people started saying he started losing some range at short. I didn't think he did. This year, yeah, you see it. There are some balls that he definitely used to get to. He made that jump throw and he still got you. He doesn't have that anymore. I don't think he should have that. He's 40. And, you know, Yankee fans, they've been spoiled. They really have by this guy. He Not only has he done everything right on the field, he's done everything right off the field. And I think that's what's making Yankee fans so sad. But, you know, I still see the vitriol on Twitter. I still see it. Captain double play. Captain ground out. Captain this. Cap- you know, when Derek Jeter's not running out to shortstop, and who knows will be, well, it's going to be Steven Drew or somebody else, maybe Tulowitzki, if some miracle happens with the Rockies, they have to trade for him, correct? Wait, you mean if they get Tulo? Yeah, next yeah, year. I mean, he's not going to be a free agent. Right. He's got a massive contract. Right, right. He's a, they have to trade for him. So some sort of miracle. It's either Troy... Tances. Troy Tulo. Say goodbye. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got you to gotta appreciate what this guy has done. And I know you want to make the playoffs every year. I know you want to make the World Series every year. It's just, it's not realistic. It's not. I know you want it to be. I know it's... It's the Yankees' M.O., and it's a good M.O. to have. I'd rather my team have that M.O. than an M.O. of, well, we're going to compete. We'll see. Eh, Maybe we make the playoffs. Maybe we win 69 games. I don't want that management. I want the management that says, you know, we're going to try to be in the World Series every year. But you've got to understand something. Every time this guy runs out to short, and, and how many more times do we have him, Doug? What are they, 58 and 53 at this point? I think they're 58 and 54. 58 and 54, which is 112 games. No? Give us a second. I stink at math. I was a communications major. What could Me I too. Tell you? And a sociology so two, uh, minor. So two carry the one. So that's, yeah, 112 games. <laughs> Minus 162, 50 games. Yeah, wow, that was such an even number, and we were just... Fif- as- yeah, people at home are probably like, Yeah, they're like, 50, 50, 50, just figure it out. <laughs> Doug, Doug has his calculator on his iPhone out. Yep. See, ma- communications majors, it just, it's across the board. You know, I looked at the GRE in the bookstore the other day, maybe get my graduate degree, and I was like, I wouldn't get by the math. <laughs> There's no way I'm taking the GRE no and getting into a graduate program. There's just no way. I couldn't do it on the SAT. I'm not going to do it on the GRE anyway. But 50 games left. The Yankees have 50. 
So every time this guy and – and you know Derek Jeter. And uh, there's two things I want to run by you. One's about Jeter. Another one's about Gardner that Ken Singleton brought up. And I'm just curious as to see uh, what your thoughts on the matter of Gardner that he brought up are. But the first with Jeter. And then we'll wrap things up. Somebody brought it up. If the Yankees were no longer in contention, that last three-game series in Boston, in Fenway, is Jeter playing? Or does he wrap it up at the stadium and call it quits? He's 100% playing. playing. Thank you. Like anybody that would think <laughs> that Derek Jeter is just going to go to Fenway Park and be like, no, I don't want to compete. <laughs> it's his last it's time at Fenway. It's the last thing that Derek Jeter would oh ever do. God. That's, I mean, that's the most hideous, asinine question to me. To me. My opinion. Doug's opinion. It's your last chance to play at Fenway Park as a member of the Yankees. Of course you're going to play. He's going to sit there. Who's going to play shortstop? Imagine who's coming up. Imagine just all you have, all I had to think about when I first started thinking about this issue was imagining him in an interview with the press. Can That's you, all right. Can this you, is Steven's can you old imagine, park. Yeah. Can you imagine Derek answering a question like this? Yeah. No. I think I'd just rather sit, enjoy myself, and uh, we're out of contention, so I don't really need to play. Or can you imagine him saying, uh, last I checked, we're 163 games into the season. I mean, we're 159 games See, into the season. <laughs> 159 games into the season. We still got three more. I'm going to give it my all until until the last game. I've said that all the way through. What do you think Derek Jeter is going to say? There is no way. No way. If Girardi doesn't have his name in that lineup card, he will have him bound and gagged and thrown in his office, and Jeter will make the lineup card. Seriously, there's, I, I just don't think there's no way in hell he's not on that field. For I could see Jeter player managing the last game. Yeah, why not? Absolutely. Making the pitching changes, doing something like yeah. that, but he's still at shortstop. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, or maybe, you know what? He plays the first two games in the third game. I could see maybe Girardi taking him out a little early. Yeah. Or maybe sending him out. Maybe the Red Sox are batting in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah. The Yankees but are winning. But they'll start every game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go out in the bottom of the ninth and then maybe have him trot off the field. But I think – I just don't – Jeter will be on the field until the last out of every game. because He knows this is it. He's known this is it since the beginning of the season. Plus, Derek Jeter's not playing for the playoffs exclusively. He's playing for his own pride. He wants the Yankees to have a better record than, than, you know. It just goes against everything this guy has been about since 1995 when he got the cup of coffee before he was the starting shortstop in 96. All right. One more thing for you. I just, I'm curious because Kenny Singleton brought this up on BP and I kind of raised my eyebrows and I would have pressed him on it a little bit more. If we have more time to talk, but you know those things. They're timed and you have to be uh, to the time or you're, you're running long on the show. He brought up, hey, why not – Brett Gardner's so hot right now. Why not put him in the three-hole and have Ellsbury lead off where he's used to being? And I kind of said to myself, you know, it's not such a bad idea. You know, for the time being, ride the hot hand. Put Gardner there. The three-hole is usually reserved for your best hitter, uh, Miguel Cabrera. Hello. Bats third. Um, 
But I just want to know what you think. W- would you make that lineup change right now? I think you and I are on the same page with this. Uh, it seems to make sense, doesn't it? Because Absolutely. Jacoby Ellsbury is the best leadoff hitter possibly in the big leagues. He's incredibly good at stealing bases. It's not just about speed with these two. Obviously, they're both fast. But Jacoby Ellsbury is a base stealer. Brett Garner is really not a base stealer. He's just blessed with great speed. Right. Brett Garner has been the Yankees' best hitter all year. It just everything matches up. You put Brett Gardner in the three. You bring Jacoby Ellsbury back to his normal spot in the lineup, he's which is get, leadoff. He's going to get good pitches to hit with Teixeira behind him yeah. if he's in the lineup. With Teixeira, Beltron, and McCann Absolutely. behind Absolutely. You. You're not going to want to. And here's why I actually think it's even better now. Brett Gardner went 0 for 4 last night. Right. If if he was still scalding, you don't want to mess with that. Well, David Price could throw a bucket of cold right. water on you. Right. <laughs> but – I, I would even think it's a better move to make when Brett Garner cools down a little bit because then you don't have the whole, why are you messing with it? Don't, yeah, there's no pressure. Don't yeah. fix what's not broken. Uh-huh. So I think it's a good move. I just think it makes sense. I mean, obviously the Yankee fans out there saying, well, Derek Jeter shouldn't be batting second because he's not a good two-hitter. His on-base percentage is bleh. You know what? Like he's just going to bat second. It's the way it is. Just get over it. But I do think that that's a good move. Yeah. I agree with Kenny. I, I agree with Kenny too, and I'd be I'd be – Happy to see that change if Joe Girardi's listening to the Chris Sheeran show, which I highly doubt. Hello, Joe. And I highly doubt he would take our advice. <laughs> but uh, or Kenny, I think he'd take Kenny's advice. Um, you know, he's he's been through former it. player. Yeah, he's got a World Series ring. Why not? Um, and Kenny, you know, I, I that's why I raised my eyebrow I, when he said that. I was like, ooh, here's a nugget. Go with it, Chris. No more questions. Dang it. So there you go. I wanted to press him on it, but I couldn't. Uh, I think we did a little – I think we did a good job here. Almost, yeah, it was – Almost 40 minutes on the Yankees. And and after you and Lou did a yes man on the Yankees too. Yeah, I did a uh, little podcast triple header today. Lou did his mi- minor league monthly recordings today. Uh, so I supervise that, obviously, as right. I do. And um, we did the yes men and we did Chris Sheeran's show. Wow. It's, it's been a busy Wednesday. Yeah, it really has. Well, you know, it's that hump day, man. You got to get over the hump. Got to get over the hump. Now everything's gravy after today. Yep. All right, everybody. You know who you are that, that are loyal to this podcast. You know how much Doug and I appreciate this. And please, by all means, spread the word. Uh, we love doing this. We love having fun and even getting a little heated from time to time to give you guys some entertaining radio. And uh, we truly appreciate your patronage. Uh, For Doug Williams, I'm Chris Sheeran. Don't forget, if you haven't subscribed yet, go to iTunes or you could do it on uh, YesNetwork.com, The Chris Sheeran Show. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.